Leon Alexander here, and welcome to the new season of the Unintentional Podcast. I got told off the other day for calling it a season. It's a bit of an Americanization, isn't it? So apologies if you're offended. It's probably a bit late to change that now, though. That said, I do have a fantastic year ahead, uh, full of unintentional conversations about all sorts of topics with all sorts of fascinating people. Starting with Frank Wiedemann. Frank, together with his partner Christian, is half of the production live DJ club duo Arm, co-founder of Inner Visions Records, half of Howling, together with Ryex, and a producer under his own name. He's a legendary part of the Berlin story, uh, and so we cover that topic, as long as many others, including his invention of the genre Kraut House, uh, headlining the school ball, a bit of Brexit, a bit of Covid, uh, traveller culture in Bristol and Berlin, writing processes for creating a new album, as well as Meatloaf, the artist, not the dish. Thanks ever so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you've got any feedback, want to have a chat, then unintentionalconversations at gmail.com is probably the best place to do it. Uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. Speak to you soon. Herr Wiedemann, what are you eating there? What have you got? Um, meine Tochter had me, uh, just brought me a chocolate, choco yogurt. Very pleasant. The rest, the rest. But I'm actually into my first bit of alcohol today. Okay, paused. Just because of you. Oh, thank you very much. I have that effect on people. I drive them to drink. And I'm um, already, you know, using the hipster way of drinking beer with a wine glass. Okay. Because it is a sour beer. Oh, I love a sour beer. Mm -hmm. It's a sour mm -hmm. beer in a wine bottle, in fact. Yes. Jealous. Oh. I Cheers. drove here, unfortunately, so I'm unable to join you, but I might have one in spirit later on. What's the, what's the percentage on that? What's the ABV? It's very low. It's 3.5. Oh, okay. Right. That's, that's all right. Summer, actually, it's summer beer for the winter. Very nice. So it's lovely to are see we, you. Are we starting already? Well, I just I hit record right at the beginning, and then I do, I do an edit of everything. So I continue in English and not in German. You will need to continue in English. That's right. Yeah. So how are you doing? I'm doing there? all right. Thank you very much. Uh, the island. The island. We're all right. We're all our restrictions are are off on Thursday. Everything's back to <laughs> normal, and um, mainly I think because our government has lost all control of itself. So <laughs> I read somewhere that some guy who was fined. Uh, last spring for having a party by the police uh, is suing for his money back. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I would do just the totally sense. same. Yeah. <laughs> and how are things in Berlin? It's weird because it kind of feels a bit normal in a way. Probably mm. I got used to the situation, but it's really, um, you know, I look at the numbers, I look at, at like, I hear that a lot of friends and people are like having COVID at the moment but somehow mindset at the moment we're at like kind of like not maybe not the end but at the point where there will be like a, a lower endemic variant that's what I'm hoping probably also <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not but I hope that everybody's having it now kind of like flu yeah and then we might get to back to something that is in a way normal i just i just had a i just had a quick um 
texting with uh, my friend and colleague and um we both like we said that at the moment it's and it's the same for me we're kind of like struggling finishing music even though it would be like the norm, most normal thing in the world to do it right now but the fact that we are like also like waiting the whole time for playing live we kind of expect that the the producing music process must be like you know normal and straight and how it ever was but it, in fact it never was easy to finish a track no, <laughs> for right. us at least right so it's just like we're missing you know we, we kind of like put put all our money on producing at the moment instead of instead of playing and um and that i guess we just we said I don't know, and we just need a bit of normal whatever that normal means for us yeah. but it's like yeah um um a bit of like Yes, security. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Um, on the other hand, I feel quite okay. Yeah, good. It's not so bad, you know. It's probably a solution, and as I really, I believe, I hope, because I want to believe also that, that this new variant is kind of like the this, you know, the the harm more harm harmless less harmless. harmless. Well, yeah, it does seem to be. It does seem to be. Yeah, well, yeah absolutely. The only thing that really bothers me, and I think we spoke about it already, is kind of like the the, the, the social biting that's happening right now. Social divisions, so, yeah. Division, yeah. I had a I had a I had a, a chat with a super interesting technical like engineer. He he built up some really nice gear, and um, and he's been in a he's been in a flat with with somebody for for many many years, sharing a flat, right? in Berlin and he had to move out because they have two different opinions about COVID. Right. And that's really weird, you know, if like and I know so many like also in my family there's like cousins of my wife that are like on they 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 totally think different and and um and it's so weird that, that there's like the door is shut, right? It's kind of like yes yeah. no nobody's communicating anymore and it's and it's really I have seen people with a lot of like with strong opinions and I have seen conspiracy theories and I talked a lot with people about it and I you know there was always but there was always an openness to to see that there's also another option basically. But in this mm-hmm. it's like there's like good or bad, black and white, yes yeah, or no either or kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And that bothers me a lot, actually. <laughs> No, that is, that does, that bothers us all, I think. And those, you know, the fact that everything's becoming so divisive yeah. and people can't just discuss their points of view anymore without, yeah. well, without someone moving out of the flat. Yeah, it's very true. And uh, we did discuss it. We discussed it when Brexit happened. Mm, same, way, probably. The same thing, really. Uh, the way that a really big issue gets boiled down to two primary answers. Yeah. question is how do we get out of that that rabbit hole you know like out of that hmm. hamsterrad is that an english yeah expression? A, a hamster wheel hamster wheel so yeah. it's kind of like and i i mean yes there's media and da 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 but it's it's also us you know it's like we <laughs> yeah we have to be able to think for ourselves don't we yeah did yeah. you say that the lovely sentence in the age of communication we stopped communicating wasn't it well yeah in the age of mass communication uh, no one's really communicating anymore, are yeah. they? Yeah, it's very true. Uh, very sad. It is very sad. 
we're trying to be but as you and i we always say to try to stay positive right so I'm, yeah i'm i'm trying to convince people to stay open and and actually spreading the word i think it's really important to stay open yeah and, and listen to other people's opinions because yeah, absolutely who am I that I don't know if the vaccine is right? Just trust it. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> but I don't know if it's right or wrong. Yeah. And yeah. probably in t we will not only know in before like five years or 10 years from now. I don't know. But it's just yeah. like, I, yeah. But in our world as well, apart from we have to trust it because otherwise we can't get on an airplane again or go to another country and do work. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, at some point, uh, and I've trusted every other vaccine and, you know, my kids are vaccinated and, you know, all that against all the other things. So, you know. You also voted for Brexit, did you? I, I didn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, surprisingly, unsurprisingly, I did not yeah. vote for Brexit, no. Yeah. Um, By the way, I'm, I don't know if this is a podcast about politics and and pandemic so if you want to change su subject to like oh it's interesting I, I, I was talking with a friend the other day about what this podcast is and what i want it to be and what it should be and obviously it started off just being about old school bristol because <clears throat> that's what i started talking to people about and the people i was talking to and so in the early episodes are all about and with different bristol djs and promoters and that kind of thing that i was yeah. working with in the 90s and then at some point it had to kind of change and grow. Um, and it certainly did that. And I think when I put crust on, although obviously he is Bristol and we did talk about old school Bristol. Um, I think that sort of changed the perspective. So the, by the time Adam came on, we talked about permaculture and we talked about um, mass censorship and we talked about living in a desert and we talked about all sorts of things. And I think the idea behind this podcast now, I think I've finally worked it out. You are episode 10. If you come out next, which I imagine you will, uh, is that I just want to talk to people about whatever they want to talk about. Ultimately, you know, I'm not a journalist. I don't have an agenda. I'm not here to interview you. Uh, I just want it to be a nice chat with interesting people uh, about any subject that they happen to, you know, or that we happen to stumble across. Um, and uh, yeah, that's really where we are. And we can start with Brexit and COVID because they're, you know, two fairly big things, but we could definitely move into music at some point <laughs> and, uh, and anything else, you know, and anything else. Uh, Bristol, Bristol, I probably don't have to add too much, except for that I'm very much a fan of like the early Bristol um, downbeat and drum bass stuff. But yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up with that, obviously. And um and I also remember having like one of my first not London UK shows was probably Bristol um, with two nice guys called uh, Luke and Frank in 2003, four ish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I have really good memories of this. Uh, uh, this video. Yeah, probably it's a lovely city. It's a lovely city and uh, it's producing lots of great musicians still. And, you know, and it's just... Why is that? Why is that? Well, culture breeds culture, doesn't it? Ultimately. Yeah, uh, and I think a lot of people move here because it's got a good music scene and a lot of them are probably quite musical. Yeah. You know, as well, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, once you've built up a little reputation like that, it, you know, it keeps 
it keeps growing and expanding and a lot of people move here and it's a big uh big student city so a lot of fresh students coming in a lot of them probably staying that kind of thing yeah it's probably cheaper than london yeah and it's cheaper than london definitely less stressful yeah so and of course berlin's had that kind of reputation since the start of the last century really yeah. isn't it? and then if i'm right you're the german here the full german but during the years of national service you didn't have national service in berlin so a lot of people who were wanted to avoid national service moved to berlin didn't they all the lift wings got <laughs> yeah so it kind of kept breeding this continuous you know and then when it was a little island inside communist germany yeah. it just became even more of a and it was very much um you know, supported money-wise from the government because it had to shine, right? It yeah. has to be like the beautiful spot of democracy and yeah. Western culture within the Moloch of <laughs> German <laughs> communism. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, yeah, that's that's the case. So that's what, like in the in the eighties when the Bowies and and uh, yeah, Hops and whoever moved there, there was it was just like so much um was so much abandoned space after the war like empty yeah. space and uh and honestly uh, like between world war, end of world war ii and and uh war uh came down 1990 th there wasn't that much of a change in in west berlin really it was like maybe doubling the amount of of buildings but not like as it used to be before what I'm trying to say with this is like there's still a lot of space apparently. I mean, so a lot of it for comfort, like parks, you know, and, and I don't know, like just have space. I mean, it was really cramped before, uh, but um, but it's also like a lot of space. I mean, even now there's like you see an old building, you like at, at Alexanderplatz, you know, there's one of these old build like GDR buildings which is still empty. It's yeah. like a huge building. It's like, and I like, what? Why? I mean, that's in the middle of the city, and and um, those places are everywhere. I mean, probably now they are not as cheap anymore as they've been in the nineties. <laughs> but uh, um, but these, I call them possibilities, always have been the thing for Berlin to develop. Yeah, where people could go free, you know, and and. To what they think they should do and that really never happened in my hometown <laughs> <laughs> no 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 very very different feel in berlin to the rest yeah. of the country for sure but it's interesting that uh, the theory about like creativity grows creativity i never really thought about it but it's yeah that's very obvious if you go to cities like I mean, if you even look at Reykjavik, for instance, you know, a super yeah. small city in Iceland, but it's like, it's just like a lot of people apparently being creative there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, I don't know, uh, uh, Nashville. Yeah. You know, it's really... Yeah, absolutely. And people move there for that reason, I think. They go there, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And when the rave thing happened here, it was an interesting sort of mishmash of... It, Bristol developed its own style quite quickly because it was a real mixture of a kind of in the early 90s in the UK we had a lot of travellers who were different they were called travellers different from gypsies specifically in that they were I guess they were younger and what's that so early 90s yeah. onwards 
So there were more kind of hippies than gypsies, but they were travelers yeah. and the traveler community embraced the rave thing. And then, you know, the Jamaican communities embraced the rave thing and the, the students, and there was just this mishmash of all these different types. Wasn't this community also early in the 70s already? Yeah, and the like, have been around for a while. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I heard about it. Yeah. 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 There, and yeah, didn't there was like lately also like a a movie about British rave culture. And that's why I also learned about oh, okay, it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But they said they're coming going back to like like seventies hippie. They probably do, they probably stay in age. Yeah. Yeah. Stonehenge yeah. visitors and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh and that kind of went on until what was called the Battle of the Beanfield. When all the travelers look at that. Anyone listening, he's not actually weeing into a hole <laughs> sofa, he's pouring another beer. The Battle of Beanfield was uh the point at which the travelers tried to get back into Stonehenge and the police beat them all yeah. up, dragged them out of the bus, dragged all the women and children out of the bus. Um, and then travelers were banned from other festivals because they used to go to Glastonbury a lot, that kind of thing. Um But is this the same culture as we what we have here is like this kind of people in Berlin also build like a Wagenburg, the English word, I don't know from it, but it's like when you put like a lot of camp not camper vans, but you know the the stuff that the circus people use basically yeah. and build built kind of like you know, as if you would be a pioneer in the Western Yeah, that sort of wagon, could, uh yeah, circle of wagons. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. that's kind of like uh also That's happening a lot here in, in, in Berlin. Used to be at Potsdamer Platz before it was Potsdamer Platz. Like, you know, during the time where there were no buildings. Yeah. In the 90s and stuff. And and some of them are still here around where I live. Um, it's kind of like half legal. Yeah. Right. So it's because they're not, not, uh, not, not simply no Roma, but also not really having not really homeless so it's like yeah. but these travelers are kind of like the same i suppose the right? similar thing i think yeah, yeah exactly right yeah. and most of them have gone now here because it's become too hard to live and a lot of them have moved into i think a lot have gone to spain and portugal and that kind of thing okay which is a better weather to be traveling in quite frankly than you know <laughs> living living uh, in this, uh, being on the welsh moors or whatever yeah. yeah in the middle of january so you don't really see that many of them around. And the latest Good. thing that's happening in Bristol is because the house prices have got so expensive that lots of older people, so in their sort of 60s, are selling um, places where they were living and are buy, bought big camper vans and RVs and that kind of thing. And now, <laughs> now live outside, live in the center of Bristol in near parks and stuff. So they literally officially live there. And again, it's sort of half legal but because they're more respectable and older people they're not really getting moved on there's an area in Bristol called the downs and they just they've all moved there basically and part of the reason they've moved there is because uh i watched some documentary about it is because it's easy for them to attend hospital appointments um because they shut down all the hospitals other than and they built big cent central ones inside the town so the rural ones have gone so they've all moved out of their rural communities and now living in in RVs and camper vans in the middle of Bristol. It's quite interesting. Are you planning yeah. to do something as well with Kate? I'm going to get Kate and I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the one thing Kate wants to do is, is spend <laughs> is living in a camper van. Um, I, I quite, I'd be quite into the idea for a bit, but I don't think I'll ever manage to convince her to come with me. <laughs> well, 
I mean, speaking of Adam, uh, uh, who I was chatting after listening to your podcast, um, doing this basically in uh, Joshua Tree. Yeah, it's not it's it's not it's not a bad thing to have like a really minimized light around no. you. No, um, but it's on the other hand, I find it quite scary to hear that there's like people selling their houses to live in a camper van in Bristol, Bristol yeah. because to get to a hospital or something. Yeah. That's a bit like, yeah. That, that feels not like th that's the way it should go. Yeah, right. So if you decide no, to really. live somewhere in the countryside, that's fine. But like, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I thought the Adam thing was fascinating. I thought because um, obviously you know you and I we've known Adam for a long time, and we kind of always known that that's where he was and what he was doing. But I guess I've never really spoken to him about it in great detail. Mm. Um, I, I super, yeah, super interesting. Yeah, same actually. I, like when, I mean, I, I met him through Rai, yeah. not, not that long ago, but like when Howling started, basically, which is ten years ago. It's ten know. years ago, yeah. <laughs> um, um, so I met him there, and we had like we connected quite quite nicely from the yeah. beginning. We somehow liked each other, and and stayed in touch over all the years. Obviously, and saw each other like when he would. They were touring with Acid or was playing somewhere, um, but we also we never really spoke long. And really, after I listened to your podcast, he said some or you both said some interesting things. So I was just texting him like, "Hey, really like what you said." And then said, "Should we have a call?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's do a Zoom call." And then we spoke like two hours. I think. <laughs> oh wow! Like, brilliant. Yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. And I have to see him there one day. It's really yeah. like, I, yeah. uh, I've never been to Joshua Tree, but I only saw like all the pictures I see. It's like, I, I'm probably, in, I couldn't live that. I'm not made for that kind of um, climate, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much a Northern European guy. And it goes for like either, I'm not a guy who's like hanging out at beaches, nor am I the guy hanging out at desert. And, Have you actually ever made, never made music, have you? Oh, no, I did. Well, I did. Um, well, before I was in a band, actually, um, in the 80s. Uh, cool. Uh, Sounds good already. Yeah, we were we were pretty awful. Um, but uh, and I did, I did do some remixes and a couple of original tracks um, together with Martin Buskosh. Mm, okay. Sort of early 90s, early yeah. to mid 90s, a few bits and pieces. Um, but I was never, um, I was never adept in a studio, so I was yeah. never very good at, you know, um, making any sounds or anything like that. So I didn't really have that skill or ability, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was in and I was, I was in different bands and acts and that kind of thing. But um, no, not to the point where I really actually learned how to use a studio properly. What what did you play in the bands? I was a singer. You've been joking. You were, you've been the singer. Yes, I wasn't very good. Shit, I should know. I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we had uh, 
we had a, a moderate success uh, playing a couple of pubs in Bristol, that kind of thing. Um, and then I spent a year in a studio. We got a manager and the band split up. I got a manager and then I got together with someone else and we spent a year in a studio writing loads and loads of songs. Yeah. And that was brilliant, actually. It was, it was a great experience. Um, but really, I, I was kind of into it for more of the lyric. I kind of wrote the lyrics and that kind of thing and, and then sort of had ideas about the way things should look and feel and sound. But really, I didn't have any musical or studio ability to make that happen. So mm. it was always down, to, always down to the other people. I never had a manager when I was in a band. But I've also been in a band in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, I remember uh, that, yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you got any photos? you remember that? No, I remember, remember, no, I remember you told me that. Yeah. I don't actually, <laughs> actually I, was, I was your biggest fan. What were you called? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> well, the first band was called The Buttons. The Buttons? Yeah, like, I think 14. Okay. I was 14, and we played at the famous school ball. Uh, carnival party whatever okay headlining headlining the school carnival Obviously, yes with our first show yeah just so expectations were high yeah and <laughs> <laughs> and, and the buttons turned into about into pantau with almost the same people so that was and that it went a bit more we had the heavy metal drummer at the time so it went okay. a bit more that down that alley yeah from like rock to heavy rock yeah Poser metal, I think we called it as yeah. well. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's absolutely yeah. my my wheelhouse. All that. I mean, Meatloaf died today, didn't he? And I had oh, to, it did. Yeah, I heard. So, yeah, yeah, I had to um, listen to Bat Out of Hell again. Um, did you? Because when I was, I think that record came out when I was fourteen or something, and I absolutely loved it. I played it up and down and up and down for about two years probably the same guilty pleasure that uh, Toto is for me. <laughs> no, I See, I don't feel guilty about it at all. And I, I, I love a bit of rock, heavy rock, soft rock, and I love a rock ballad, you know. I mean, when Wind of Change comes on by the Scorpions, I still have to stand up and salute. You know, I, I, I absolutely adore it. And, um, <laughs> and I know that any, you know, modicum of cool I may have had in your eyes has just disappeared, but... I, I don't care. So I, yeah, this morning okay. I walked the dog Fair and put that out of hell on, and probably the first <laughs> time I've heard it in 35 years. Still <laughs> brilliant. Still great. Anyway. I never connected to Beat Love, neither did I for the Scorpions, but I, I I have to, I mean, I have to admit, I also have a couple of, like, White Snake and, yeah. like, the Bad Deep Purple albums, you know, like, yeah. when they take yeah. with bad. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like this. So obviously there's there's a lot of this. Uh yeah. and I've I've praised them as well. I was like yeah. How's the music going? You've got, you're working on a new arm record, aren't you? An album, is that right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and it's, um, it's a tricky process for me because I'm kind of like, at the moment I'm getting, you know, when I when I started working with Christian twenty years ago, um, it was quite clear that we'd do music together, and then. After a while, it happened that I developed my own 
like my, my taste basically which is like i mean not that christian hates it but we're like he has his like thing right obviously and i have mine and and but because i'm a producer i was able to express myself mm -hmm. so that's when like me going solo started and that's when also happened uh met rye and, and started calling and and now i'm like kind of in the world where i like i create tracks and tracks and tracks and then i have to decide where they live which is interesting but it's also a relief because um before me having those different projects i always had like to live with the fact that christian didn't like something and then it just it was gone yeah it was gone right and now i'm like okay it's gonna be like something for me and i'm actually at the moment i'm not only doing an arm album i'm also planning a frank biedemann album at the same time okay if it ever sees the data i don't know but it's at least for me helps to accept Separate the two yeah of course except things going right yeah and that's really that's a that's something new i learned yeah. in the last couple of years and it helps now but it's still i think it's tricky for us to find the sound because it's like somewhere in between what christian plays and what i play and then also what we listen to yeah because we don't want to make like a club record but we acknowledge the fact that we have to have two or three tracks that will be able to be played in the club right yeah because that's what people expect from us and it's what we probably did uh not like when i look back at dream house the, 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 the last and first record that ever came out from us uh, a couple of years ago the two or three years i think um there was what people i think didn't like too much because they like they bought it with a with the expectation of the album being like very much club club influence yeah. and it probably was but it was no club record at all like really a listening record or like like a, a record we would like to listen to at home yeah and for us it's about to find that balance now with the new record a bit more back to not what people expect from us but like what we think should be could be club music yeah does it make sense and um and then also finding a sound that is not boring for us for both of us <laughs> um it's probably a thing when you like do producing electronic music for such a long time even if not everything like we, we weren't like the guys who did like tons of records um but but still like we're doing it for a long time and then after a while you're kind of like fed up with the like you know the same 909 kick drum and and, and the same juno baseline and whatever and it's like um and i think we were always like exploring new grounds for us at least you know but uh, and uh, at the moment i feel much more to the need to explore yeah new things right so that's quite interesting yeah no i mean a lot of club acts have exactly that kind of a situation don't they when they want to put an album out so yeah. they want to kind of broaden what they're doing um and it can be confusing I mean, even in back in the day i mean when we did the first team of mars album you know, yeah. Timo had a certain sound, and then as soon as you got to writing an album, it became so many different things. Um, yeah. yeah, people just got confused. People just, you know, and which is understandable because if you're into a band and they've got a certain sound, and then suddenly they're doing something that's completely different, 
It just, yeah. you know, it takes time for that to connect, doesn't it? And make sense to people. Totally. And then I just, you know, because I guess probably a lot of people have watched, watched that Beatles yeah. get back thing. Yeah. And because of that, I feel almost like I should now, you know, like write songs, go into the studio and record them, which is never our process because we write songs while recording, right? So that's like yeah. the process of how we work. But I, I, and I'm trying to think of a way, you know, like to, to translate the process that they had in there for their albums into the music we're doing, which is not easy because there's only one instrumentalist and probably it is kind of like what it has been made in the in the 90s you know with like all these drum machines and sequences and stuff so there was mm -hmm. like almost one take you know recorded but it yeah it's still different when you do it with sequences i think i don't know trying to find new ways yeah probably the thing right? yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah and, um, and that's exciting and tricky at the same time yeah that's uh, joy being an artist, though, isn't it? Joy, joy and pain. <laughs> <laughs> joy yeah. and pain, absolutely. Yeah. No, but it's 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 also like the one thing I have to say, like you know, before um, Christmas New Year break, I had so many other things to do, like other projects. I was like doing that either came to an end or had like the climax um was it production or or like cultural projects whatever it is and um so i never had really the time to be a considerable considerable time in the studio hmm. only like a day here a day there you know maybe three hours and so and it's never really satisfying when no. you have that kind of situation no. so but and, and the first week of january was really nice for me because kind of came back we didn't expect the school to be open so we were surprised that our school was open uh, from for our kids so we had no kids at home and i had no appointments so i was just in berlin without really any plans and i just went to the studio and experimented and recorded and recorded and recorded just for like over a week and when you do this then you understand again how much of like actually work it is to do an album it's not just like the one brilliant idea because those brilliant ideas come from a lot of other ideas right i have to do a lot to to produce stuff that i can choose from which then is condensed to something and for that you just need a lot of time in a row right yeah and and yeah, I have to find these slots by myself. It's the same when we when I work with Ryan. You know, it's like we're doing like you put us in a, in in like a room with like a couple of instruments for for a day. It's going to be interesting and cool. If you put us in a room for five days with a lot of instruments, it's going to be a lot of stuff. Yeah, and a lot of stuff to choose from, and that's what it's about. I just watched an interesting 
documentary uh, called Under the Volcano. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. It's about um, it's about you know that studio that George Martin built on one island, like Caribbean island. Okay. And um, there was post Beatles, obviously, and um, that's where they uh, uh, the record. You know, it was the time when the police recorded. I think either Ghost in the Machine or Synchronicity there. Okay. That's and Dire Straits recorded Brothers in Arms there. But that kind of era, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also the reason why Sting was on Brothers in Arms was because he was on holiday on the island because you know the holidays were recording there, etc. Oh, okay. Um, Elton John recorded it, like like really cool studio, uh, interesting story, and I, it's also like that kind of period of music making. Totally was my youth, obviously, because it was like you know beginning of MTV and, yeah. and all that stuff. So kind of like going from the straight rock into like the pop rock yeah. kind of thing, you know, yeah. like yeah, and. Um, and it's interesting because this music is just, it just doesn't exist in anymore. I think only like the really in the only radios. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and it's, it's like beyond away from being cool ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see, maybe. You, Bruce, know, you never know, mate. 10 more years, 10 more years. Yeah, you never know. I was just, I just listened this morning to, to John Jackson records again, because I, I used to be a massive fan. And I think it's still kind of cool because it has this kind of punk attitude. You know, yeah. Jack Jackson. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives in Berlin, apparently. I, Where I, is he? I, I, I saw him once in a bar. He was alone at the bar. I wasn't alone. I was a bit drunk. I was that close to say, oh, I'm the biggest fan, but I don't, I, uh, something pulled me back, which is probably good. <laughs> um, self-respect. Um, yeah, probably a little bit. The last, last bit of self-respect. Um, which di li didn't happen when I met James Blake the first time. By the way, there was no self-respect anymore. Joe <laughs> uh, Jackson, I remember from the singles, uh, he did. Uh, it's different for girls, didn't he? And yeah, different for girls actually needs a cover version. I think now. Yeah, Such a good that's, song. that's a fantastic song. I thought the song. hit was that yeah. he did, but yeah, I loved that. But I didn't. I but never went hit, any deeper. Is it worth going well, deeper? The, the, the hit. The hit was, that wasn't that uh, obvious or like not a classic from stepping out, I suppose. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. a pop, pop it. Then is she really going out with him? Yeah, that's quite a track. big one. Phenomenal, yeah. And I think Look Sharp was also a big one. Okay. Fools in Love, maybe. It's a bit of like I think for people who like the early police, they also can connect with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. What about Elvis it's, Costello? Did you ever get into Elvis Costello? Never. It's funny. Yeah. I, it's I know, like, a sort of vibe, isn't it? It is probably. I had like that's why I was trying to say my my like third band I was playing in was called the Juanita Roundup Generation. The what Roundup uh, Generation? The Juanita Roundup Generation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we played cover songs kind of like in the easy listening way, like from uh, Sergio Mendes to Red Baccarat and whatever, yeah. you know. And, um, but we came along from like the, an assembly we did once a year with what, which, which was called the walls. And it's like, we invited all like the people we like from the nightlife in our hometown who are like bartenders and doormen and whatever, and asked them to sing one song. They were not singers, obviously. 
but we had a quite a strong band playing all the stuff and we had like the, the party was the rehearsals obviously so we rehearsed for a week and then played six hours or such and and the, the main band was like um like we all had the kind of same similar taste basically and obviously we liked joe jackson and the police and we loved frank zappa and steely dan so there was always like a zappa song to show the show off for the musical police you yeah. know musicians police <laughs> uh we had a we always had a cd dance song for the same reason but also yeah. because we loved it a lot yeah uh joe jackson probably and but then somehow there was like the guitar player was like always the biggest Elvis costello fan and i don't know it's the same with like you know the smiths no no connection at all right but but i'm waiting for it like maybe when i'm like Smiths were brilliant. they were brilliant but maybe they're a very english thing i think there's a lot of germans who love them but it's just like i, I just don't have any connection to it no at all. no but you you never know maybe when stuff like that before. you have to be the kind of right age i think when it arrives as well don't you you know for it to maybe yeah i, I think smith spoke to a certain generation that um it's definitely not like i really like what what James uh, Murphy once said about the violent thumbs. Yeah. But they're kind of like the, the, the band that every generation makes it their own. Yeah. Know? Because like that kind of punk attitude always comes back somehow. And like, uh, like Business in the Sun is kind of like a universal track for everybody who's like from, I don't know, 14 to 18 or something. Yeah. Probably. And um, there's a couple of these tracks, but some are just really bound like not from this band but some styles of bands are just really bound in their, in yeah. their time yeah time absolutely band. yeah absolutely why i don't know i don't know uh, write, write me uh, write me an essay on it if you could please student video yes, i will do uh, yeah, have sure. it on my desk monday morning and i will work it out together <laughs> Jesus, yeah. yeah i also I actually also can recommend when we're talking about this there's a really nicely done documentary by Jim Jarmusch about the Stooges and I wasn't really aware of the Stooges either oh, like, I've seen that one yeah from it? Amazon, isn't it yeah I've seen that yeah yeah yeah, yeah I wasn't nice. really aware of them I mean other than knowing I've heard of them and kind of knew a couple of songs and stuff but I didn't really right. know any more than that and the story is quite heartbreaking actually <laughs> yeah. Like yeah first first steps into music business yeah business business the bad business yeah it's really weird i haven't really had that on my radar so if anybody no. to us and hasn't watched it recommend it check it out so uh when's when's is there a date for the arm record is that at some point that's going to come out uh this yeah, year let us, let us finish this thing my plan is to finish finish it this year somehow right. and the earlier the better but i'm yeah. like i'm not stressing myself about it no okay um, if i if i listen to to michael who's like uh head of innovations records he would probably uh kick my ass <laughs> yeah so, so it sounds like you need uh you need someone to give you a bit of a bit of a time are you good at, are you good at that <laughs> <laughs> my specialist subject yeah. um <laughs> oh, no, man. I don't. I, I'm. I feel. I feel quite confident these days about it, but that can change. Um, we have a lot of material already together, 
we have a lot of ideas about it, which is always like kind of like a plan, uh, also of like guests we would like to invite. But we haven't, mm. we are not at the stage yet where we send stuff around to invite people. Um, but there will like, I hope like that this gonna happen within the next two months that we're like at the place where we like, okay, this is the song now, please. Do you want to sing on top of this or you want to play harp or whatever it's going to be? And um, one thing I really liked about it is that the process started in a way that I, um, I wasn't alone. So I invited a lot, lot of friends to, to play with me. It was like our friend Jens Kouros, um, who's also part of Howling. Um, or Jimmy Jules, who's uh, now releasing his first album on Innovisions. And other people, you know, like whoever is like, I, I really love to collaborate. And, and I think part of that is also jamming together gives you way more ideas. And it's also a very interesting, quick process of sending, like uh, uh, um, working things out quickly, right? And um, even if like, maybe 80% of the stuff we did, I did in collaboration is gonna end up somewhere else, which I don't mind. Um, it's still part of the whole process, mm -hmm. right? So um, for instance, when I've been, I've been a week with, with gents uh, 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 to write stuff and, and record things, well, maybe five days, uh, but um, super, it was super important for the whole process, even if maybe just two of the songs end up on our album but then there's like the frank biederman album <laughs> you know where the other stuff can, can yeah. go to it doesn't feel like being the the, the garbage bin of arm stuff it's really uh, I, I i find uh, kind of like find my own style more uh, like slowly that sounds maybe a bit weird if you're like that long in the music business but i think i really need it the time to finally get into my, I think I, I call it a bit crowd house, you know, it's kind of yeah. like the crowd rock uh, influenced house music, which is quite, you know, long, long playful, circular, circular yeah. Yeah. and also a bit dirty and, and mumbly and stuff. Um, so yeah, um, if everything went, when uh, goes well, we have, we have an album done by by like autumn this year, but maybe it's two albums then, right? Yeah. Okay. Nice. And maybe there are some leftovers for howling. Even. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Three albums. Out. Uh, I'll take anything off your hands as well. Maybe we do a Leon Alexander album as well. So we just that. Sure. Cool. Sure. Fine. That'd be fine. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Only if Steve uh, uh, will be background choir. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. Well, the very first single I did, the Leon Alexander single, I did do for uh, Hope Recordings about 20 years. Steve plays bass on it. Oh, well. Right. Steve is a bass player. He was in bands and he could actually play an instrument. Um, and um, he was in a band. He was in a band called um, 2D Deep. 2D Deep. Yeah, 2, number like 2. 2, D, 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 and um, they they got quite far. They look quite cool as well. Well, apart from Steve, obviously. Uh, if I can find them now. Steve, you're not listening, are you? 
Uh, you, might, you might just listen to them, actually. Yeah, sorry, I can edit that bit out. Don't worry. Um, quite a bit of editing goes on with these things to make it sound as slick as it does. Maybe I got the name slightly wrong. I, they're not actually, I can't find them online. But they did exist, and he was in them. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was acid jazz, basically. Yeah, it was like the acid jazz phase, yeah. No I, was before, I was before that in jazz, which was called jazz rock. Time. Okay. Fusion jazz rock. Fusion, baby. Weather report. Yeah. All day. Weather report, exactly. All day <laughs> all long. That's what it is. Absolutely. Christian sometimes hates me for that, but it's what I... It's who you are, I we are who we are. <laughs> we, we, you know, we can't do anything about yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But it's lovely to see you, man. Same here. Uh, it may Same or may here. not be in Berlin soon. Who knows? Um, lovely to see you. Come Same here. Lovely to speak to you. And um, I look forward to seeing you real soon. I hope so as well.